Welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. This is a show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across Livestream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by LivestreamUniverse.com. Tomorrow, we will have a breakdown of three Livestream platforms that can serve as Blab replacements. We'll be looking at FireTalk, uh, Crowdcast, and Huzzah. And we'll also hear from a few people who are using those platforms. It'll be about 13 minutes. Um, it's going to be a recorded uh, feature, so you can look for it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash universe. And tonight's show is our summer season finale for Livestream Stars. We'll be back September 12th with a full lineup of guests. And now to tonight's guest, Anthony J. Conklin, is a motivational speaker, a keynote speaker, empowers sales teams, associations, and corporations to take action and achieve their highest potential. His presentations have energized entrepreneurs, small businesses, and powerhouses like Merrill Lynch, PepsiCo, the New York Knicks, and the New York Yankees. Anthony has 25 years of experience working in corporate America as head of consulting services in global telecommunications, renewable energy, investment acquisitions, and finance. He was recently interviewed on Bloomberg TV from the Future of Energy Global Summit, and he had perhaps the biggest guest on Blab during Blab's what was about one year run, one year plus run when he interviewed Tony Robbins. So no more blab, but we continue to move on. Anthony, welcome. So great Thanks, to Ross. see Thanks you. Thanks for and having me. I really appreciate it. I don't know that guy you introduced, but he sounds like a pretty awesome guy. So do you want to introduce <laughs> me now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so talk about that. Let's start right there. I mean, that was an amazing blab is gone. Obviously, I think everybody here probably knows uh, that they shut their doors on Friday night. No warning. Yeah. Just boom, shut it down. Um, but you you had one of the great moments on that the platform. I mean, that was kind of like during the height of blab when things were good and you brought uh, Tony Robbins on. You had a an audience like you rarely see on blab. How did that come together and and why was it important to you to reach out to Tony Robbins and try and get him on the Tony's platform? Tony's been somebody I've been pursuing probably for about 35 years of my life. And there's a, there's a whole backstory behind that. I'm sure we'll have another interview about that. But what I can tell you is uh, Tony for me was somebody who I looked at as as this authoritative figure, sort of the, the fatherly figure in my life. You know, I come from a, an interesting family background. My parents were divorced when I was very, very young. My mom and um, my mom get remarried to a really great guy, just wasn't really the dad type. And for, for the good part of my teenage life, I didn't have a male role model. And I found myself being up late at night watching those crazy infomercials about uh, no money down Carlton sheets. <laughs> and then right, right behind that became this guy with really big teeth, tall, and he was very loud. But he had that 80s hair and he was infectious. And every 20 minutes uh, in the 80s, he would basically impregnate this stuff in your mind about being the best you can be called personal power. And uh, it's something that I attach myself to. He, it found its way into my DNA. And I've been following him very much religiously for, again, for close to 35 years of my life. And But the ironic thing about it that Ross is I had never been to one of his uh, – his, um, his seminars. I'd never been to UPW or Business Mastery or Date with Destiny. Uh, I did read a lot of his books. I've read his most recent book, which is Money Master of the Game. And I, I got to a point in my life where I asked myself, okay, I, I want to meet him 
but how do I do it in a non-fan kind of way, right? You, I mean, sure, you, you've come across people that are right. fanning on on people that are celebrities. I, con I considered him one of those bucket list celebrities in my life. So I... I had just I just come over to Blab, um, and I, I thank I thank Malia Probst. She was the one who got me over to Blab. She's a fantastic uh, VR uh, uh, entrepreneur. She invited me over. I jumped into this live streaming platform, and I figured let me let me start to really get to understand about this whole live streaming camera thing. So I realized, okay, if I can if I can if I can interact with people on this platform, you know, why not? Why not try to reach my mentor? It's one of those things where you just wake up and say. I'm going to do it today. You kind of have that breakthrough moment that Tony talks about. You have a breakthrough moment. So right. uh, we, we leveraged Blab as being this, this brand new platform. Uh, it was something we could bring of value. And we thought that bringing this platform to a celebrity of his stature saying, hey, we have an opportunity for you to talk about your stuff on this thing called live streaming. I figured I reached out to him. So mm -hmm. uh, we... I could to tell you the story. So I decided on, on an October afternoon, I was getting off the train coming from Manhattan and I had learned something from a couple of influencers, you know, Gary Vee being one of them, Grant Cardone being another one and, you know, John Maxwell and TD, uh, TD Jakes. I kind of took all of their thought processes and I took the technical side of it, which was my phone. And I picked up my phone and I looked at it and I said to myself, <laughs> press record. And I sent a tweet. I sent a video tweet to Tony Robbins. And you can see it. It's a, a, a you can see it mm -hmm. up. It's on YouTube. You look for Anthony Conklin. Uh, do a search for Anthony Conklin YouTube. Uh, Anthony Conklin with Tony Robbins. You'll see the actual message I sent to him. But um, I can tell you what the message was, which was, "Hey, Tony Robbins, this is Anthony Conklin. I'm a longtime follower, a longtime fan of your work. Uh, I would be forever grateful and appreciative if I could interview you on this new platform called Blab. Uh, before you say no, please consider a maybe." And you can reach me here. And then literally 15 minutes later, Tony sent me a, a DM and he goes, I'd love to be interviewed by you. Please get in touch with, you know, uh, Sarah at the time was his assistant. And I, uh, and I shook in my boots for a while. Right. <laughs> I shook in my boots. That's awesome. I, uh, it was, I think the thing that the listeners and the viewers want to understand is, you know, I'm no different than any of you. I mean, you guys can do this. This is something if you really put yourself out there and just be yourself. I talk, a lot, I talk a lot about this in my live streaming is you have to just be yourself. And I, I felt that my energy was right and my head was right. And I just hit record and I did it. And 15 minutes later, he responded. Then... I, I think what's amazing is you used, you know, we talk all about live video and live streaming and everything. But one of the most underutilized tools, I think, out there. And I remember Roberto Blake, who has a great YouTube channel and is a real, yeah. real wizard with video was talking about this all the way back in December. He, he talked to me on, uh, on this show, actually, about it. And he said, like, his strategy is to use Twitter video messages because they stand out because That's nobody's true. using them. And when you get a Twitter video message from somebody, I think if you sent that as a as a just a tweet, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. he can read every tweet he gets and everything. But how many people probably send him right. a video message like that? Probably and I very few. I would agree with you. Yeah. And so that was huge. And not and also the way you asked and the way you personalized and everything. But I, I think that's such like we've gotten mm -hmm. so hung up on live that we've forgotten that there's ways that you can use recorded video 
that are very powerful. And and Twitter video, everybody thinks you have sure. to go on Periscope. You don't. You can record a, a 10, 15 second message that that can be more more powerful. So I, I think that's awesome that you use that. Was it had you used Twitter video before or was that just how do I do this? like okay so how I else literally can clicked I record. Out? It was my first it was right. my first video tweet. I had never sent um, sent one before and I don't think I had been on Periscope that long. I had been a blab person. I've been more that interactive four squared person. Right. So I literally hit the record and then when I was done, I put the phone in my pocket thinking, okay, nothing's ever going to happen. And you know, for those of you who think about the law of attraction and sending things out to the universe, I'm a believer in that. I believe that when you send out good stuff, you right. get good stuff in return. And when I sent the video out and I got the response back, I said, this, it didn't register with me. It's like, this is not right. He didn't pick me. You know, and in retrospect, this being, you know, nine months later after the interview, uh, you, you, you kind of go back and you say, well, why did he pick me? Then I look at my video and I see what I did. And the only thing I can say is, is that I was just myself. I was my complete 100% self. I didn't add any color to it. I wasn't overly ambitious. I said, you know, Tony, and I basically said what was on my mind. And I think that could have been why he picked up on it. Say, hey, you know, this, right. this could be an opportunity for me. And uh, but it, it took a while, you know, just to, to kind of add some color to that. It took three months to get the interview. It wasn't, it wasn't as easy. I mean, yes, you know, they say in sales, the, the selling starts when you hear yes, right? That's when you have to really sell it. Not the no, it's actually when you get the yes. So between going back and forth to legal, and I want to thank very much uh, Mitch Jackson, who I had bounced a few ideas off of here, give me some ideas and thoughts. And to all of my uh, friends that are uh, at work at WABC radio and WABC television who are, um, you know, professional broadcasters, I asked their idea, uh, their, their thanks, uh, their, their thoughts and input. And uh, they all told me the same thing. I, was, I wasn't looking for permission. I was more looking for confirmation just to be yourself. So um, it was great. And uh, right. I, was, I was thankful for that. And then, uh, and then the interview came. Once we got the interview, we literally got the interview scheduled a week before. And we didn't get everything ironed out until the day of. So just to add just a final little ice, icing on the cake there, we didn't sign the legal documents and I need to, I, I promised Mitch, I'd send it to him. We had to sign a legal contract that we wouldn't, you know, monetize his name and so on and so forth. Literally happened the morning of the, the interview. So it was, a, it was a, like right on the edge. And, and big thank you to, uh, absolutely to, to Vicki Fitch, who ha helped me coordinate the emailing and the, and the structure and, and, and the blab and the big, big thanks to the blab community who did such an amazing job of helping us as well. So it was, a, it took a, it took a village. In in that um, in those legal papers, there was no stipulation against you playing the replay as long as you don't try and monetize it, right? You can yeah. put it on your YouTube channel. You can play clips of it if you right. if you start a fire talk channel. You know, it's always on. You could have a clip of that as sort of your intro to the channel and that kind of thing. You're able to do that. You just can't sell his his. Yeah, my his name, I, I right? right? You can't. Interpretation. Can't put in an <laughs> Again, I'm not an attorney. I leave that to the people like Mitch Jackson <laughs> and some of the other legal folks maybe listening and watching this, this replay is that my interpretation of the document is we could use it as replay. We can use it as promotion, but we can't monetize <laughs> his name, meaning that I can't go and sell the rapid planning method. I can't sell UPW branded material. So that that's really sort of where the, the dividing line is. And just to, just to tell you, what, once the interview was over, we had a we had a, um, a phone conversation with Tony and his assistant, and we were just so completely, completely blown away by the feedback we got. And Tony said it was one of the best interviews he had done, and I was completely humbled by it and kind of shaken, like, "Hey, this is this is good stuff." So.
it was it was yeah Wow, that's awesome. Mitch says he negotiated a deal where Tony pays Anthony six figures a year. Let's get that deal done. Mitch, let's let's uh, let's, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit after this. Um do were there any um parameters like you can't ask me about this or you no, I, maybe I, I, if no, you no, don't feel comfortable no, no disclosing that that's right. Like what Say you got me for 10 minutes we had, and then it's we had over, 10 to 15 minutes. There... Tony promised us 10 to 15 minutes, and then we wound mm -hmm. up getting 31 minutes, which was 15 minutes more than we'd asked. Which means, according to his team, he says if he goes over 10 minutes, that means he wants to be there, but if he wants to cut it off at 10, it means he doesn't want to be there anymore. So we got 31 minutes. I had seven questions, I literally prepared for a month for this. I had I must have had 20 questions, narrowed down to seven questions. I asked three of them, <laughs> I, which are the most powerful ones. So um, we, and, and again, big thanks right. to Vicky Fitch for helping with the, the, the questions. We had asked Tony's team, it was a team of five people, because we had to talk to legal, marketing, his personal assistants. And we, we said, what questions right. are off limits? What questions should we focus on? And they said, you can ask him anything about anything. The only thing that we had to stay away from was um, asking sort of details about the seminars, like what happens during the seminar. And I think this is before, obviously before I'm not a guru came out. So we, we couldn't ask specific questions about that. Um, and the only thing that they really were hanging on was just don't monetize his name. I mean, he was very generous, very generous with his time, very generous with his information, uh, incredibly transparent. And, and you could tell the guy just knows his stuff. He knows when he looks in your eyes exactly. Right you know, the kind of person you are. I mean, I was disarmed literally when the, when, when I saw him on camera, I was, you know, it's, I was like a deer in a headlight for like five seconds. I'm like, okay, this is an Anthony is your moment. And then I just, I kind of, I clicked in, I just clicked right in. So it's only to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah. I mean, it, it was yeah. almost like surreal seeing that it's like, <laughs> What's that guy I'm doing like, in I'm our like, little playground? Robin, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which one of these things doesn't he belong was, here? He was great. He was. So after you had that interview, and, and what an amazing experience, did you say, okay, let me see if I can do this again and, and reach out to somebody else that you thought was kind of yeah, we, out of reach? Or did you kind of go back to doing the, the type of shows that you were doing before and not really try for, you know, you know the sometimes you look at it as, okay, well, does lightning strike twice? And, um, I, I, I think at the time I really wanted to get, I worked on Chris Gardner, uh, who, you know, played in, in the movie, um, mm -hmm. a pursuit of happiness. It was the story about him. Chris and I went back and forth on a lot of right. things. He agreed to a show, but then he had to back out because he was working on this movie for about the life and times of Maya Angelou. We're still in conversations about it. Um, I reached out to Les Brown's organization. I actually reached out to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I reached out to a lot of celebrities and some political figures. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it didn't have that. It didn't have that edge that we. And not to take from Tony Robbins, the, the edge. We didn't really have the edge of getting the interview. Uh, and then I, then my my focus started to shift. It's like, okay, I did this. Now, what's my next venture in life? Right? Do I really want to just interview superstars and celebrities, or do I really want to work on me? You know, the the, the thing with right. the Tony interview that I want to I want to stress here is that it, it was a life changer and a page changer, page turner for me. Because if I can do that, what else can I do? So. The what else became, or who else can I interview, but what else can I do for me? I need to work on me to be that confident that I can do anything because I can get Tony on a, on a show. You know, why not get Leonardo DiCaprio, which he did reach out to us and said he'd be interested in, in, in being interviewed, but at the time, couldn't make it happen. 
Justin Bieber's team. I know I know um, a friend of mine is good friends with with Scooter Braun. We tried to make that happen. So we had all that in the mix, but then my focus just shifted over. I just I wanted to focus more on me and my live streaming show rather than just being, you know, this this guy who interviewed Tony Robbins and somebody else. And uh, that's what, <laughs> and that, so that's what we talked to you about yeah. for the first twenty minutes, right? I, I think yeah, that's I'm what okay you're going to hear a lot about it, for a uh, long time. It was time. It, again, it's it's very it's it's it is surreal, Ross. You use a great term. It's surreal. It's uh, it's humbling. Uh, it's exciting. It's all these great things. You get the notoriety from it. My, I mean, my Facebook blew up. My Twitter blew up. All my you know, I got some stalkers, some trolls, <laughs> and uh, I, I I met some great people. You know, I met some great people because of it. So I was, uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice nice shot in the arm, as I would say. So now you're a motivational speaker in your own right. You're a high energy guy. Um, talk about what your message is when you speak and how you motivate and inspire. I, I, I and truly believe people. that everyone on this planet is inspired by themselves, and it all comes from their passion. You know, people talk about well, how do you find your passion? How do you find your passion? You don't really find it. You uncover it. Your passion is something that it, it, you're born with. It's something that lives in your soul. And I don't want to get, I don't want to sound esoteric here, but let me, let me kind of get to the facts. I'm a fact guy. There's something in your life that you're really good at. And there's something that you do so well that we tend to do it as a hobby. Uh, literally 1% of the people on the planet will do it as a full-time career and make money and grow because of it. But 99% of the people usually take what they do that they're really good at and they're passionate about and they make it a side job because I'm going to get judged because I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not married, I'm married, I have too many kids. I mean, the list could be forever, right? I don't have the right camera. I don't have the right lighting. Uh, my neighbor might find out that I'm a broadcaster. My neighbor might find out that I like to, I like to be a, a flower designer. And I, and I truly, I, I just remind people of what they're passionate about. And I help them in their journey connect their passion, right, which is what they're born with and what they're really good at and what they what gets them out of bed in the morning and connect it to what their purpose is because your passion leads to what your purpose is in life and your purpose is to do something you have to be here to do something and then i wrap it in this thing called why you know your why is well why are you doing this you're not doing it for the money you're doing it for something that's greater than you you may not see that now but you see it later because once you start to walk in your purpose by really living your passion and walking in your purpose everything uncovers for you. My mother always told me, rest in peace. She says, Anthony, the road will always rise to meet you when you do what you're meant to do. That's what my mom always said. She always said, the road will rise to meet you. Right, right. And, and Gina asks, um, Anthony, how do you help people identify that passion? If you they know, really I take them through know. an exercise that um, I've done for myself. Uh, it's, it's really like a mission statement exercise. So it's, there are five or six different variations of this mission statement. Mine is really based on Peter Drucker's uh, mission statement process, which is a seven question process. Uh, I actually did a blab on it and I did my own. So uh, I, I take you through a process of wow. asking yourself questions like, you know, who are you? I say, well, I'm Anthony Conklin. No, no. Who are you? Well, are you a mother? Are you a sister? Are you a daughter? Are you a friend? Okay, well, why are you here? You know, what, what values do you um, look for in a person? What values are you here for? What values do you look for in other people in your life? And I take you through the seven-step process. And what it does, it, it uncovers who you are, like the core of your life. And then you, you basically, once you read the results of this, of this mission statement, you start to prune out, okay, well, this is, I like doing this. So this connects to this and this connects to this. And I, I do that when I do my keynotes. So that's, 
I guess it also tells yeah. you what to say no to, right? I mean, just like a business uses a mission yeah. statement to know whether they're strategically yeah. drifting away. You can use that in your own life if you start saying yes to too many things that really are outside of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, there, there are two schools of thought are. on that, Ross. One is say yes to everything and then figure it out later, right? Which some of these motivational speakers say, right? <laughs> and then there's, you say no to everything. You say no to 99% of the things and the 1% is what gets you there. You know, I'm not here to tell you which, which is right or wrong. I can tell you what's worked for me is that I like to say yes to things so I can at least hear and understand and then decide if I want to push it away and no. It's like, it's, it's the deductive reasoning part of it, right? I hate to use big boy words, but it's deductive reasoning. So that's really kind of how I, I think about like, why am I here? Like, what's my purpose? And for some of us, it happens at 30. And for some of us, it happens at 52. You know, so it really depends on where you are in your life when you're really ready to kind of take it all in. Um, Mitch Jackson asks, um, biggest common mistake you watch people make when it comes to tapping into their personal power? Um, is that they, they, they don't take it seriously. They think, it, oh, well, that's, I like to do that. Like, I like flying drones, not me. Let's say if I like to fly drones. Well, that's great. Well, have you thought about maybe turning it into a business because you know how to fly drones? Maybe you like being a pilot. Maybe you should be a pilot someday. Maybe you can train people to fly. You, you, have, to, you have to start thinking completely outside the box. And what happens is when people uncover their passion, they immediately dismiss it because their fear, it's fear of being judged, fearing like, oh, you don't want to do that. You, why, why are you 40 years old doing that? Or why are you 20 years old doing that? You know, it's that fear of being um, found out. I just want to say this, and I'm going to say this in a way. It might not sound right coming out, but when you hear the replay, it'll be like this. We're all naked at some point, okay? You just got to deal with your nakedness and just be who you are. That's really what this all comes down to is, is being the person that you're meant to be. Because eventually, you know, your, your passion and your why gears you towards that. It may take time, right? You may have to go this journey. You may have to get divorced. You may have to lose a, I don't want to sound negative. You may have to get divorced. You may have to get fired. You may have to have some tragedies. And you know, I call it the D's, the death, dying, divorce, and disease. You have to go through those things to reach that, that, aha, that ultimate aha moment. You have multiples, but that aha moment, that's a tipping point and say, hey, but I've been doing this forever. Why didn't I? And then you start doing it now. Right, right. I think one of the things that, that holds people back as well is they don't realize that having those right. skills is something special because it comes, some things come naturally mm. to people and they don't even realize it. I work with some, you know, with people in terms of their career, like from an HR standpoint and from um, helping people, everything from resumes to how they should go about marketing themselves and interviewing and stuff. And I, I get so many people who say, yeah, I did do that, but I did it three times. What's the big deal? I don't need to put that on. It wasn't in my job description. And they take for granted that everybody else who has their job, oh, I could fill in and do that too twice a week, or I could have covered that person. Well, no, you should lead with that because that is what separates you from everybody else. And that's where you can go with your career. But I think people take for granted that which comes easily or that which they they can do on it they can turn on a dime and do something and it's like it, they oh, ultimately, okay ultimately okay you know but much most of the world can't can't do that or doesn't know how to do that or didn't take the time to learn how whatever it is i think people are uh, undersell themselves and like to stick to the job description and just put down what they think people want to hear and when they get off of that it's like well, well that's not me 
Oh, did you do that? It is yes. you. Absolutely. Well, it Absolutely. is you. <laughs> and, and what happens is people tend to compare themselves to other people in that industry. Like, so let, let's say if you're, a, let's say you're a professional speaker, right? And I did this for many, many years. I'll be very transparent with you. I did it for many years. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I know I'm a good MC. I don't know if I'm the great MC. I think I'm pretty good. But then you start comparing yourselves to other MCs. Well, they got the paying job. They got the bigger paying job. They got the job in Vegas. They got the job in Europe. You start to compare yourself. And what happens is you start to smother your passion. And what you're doing is you're only holding yourself back. And you know, again, a lot of people can tell you what to do. You have to be ready for it. They say, you know, when the, when the, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And that's really what happens. When you're ready... When you allow yourself to be yourself, all these things start to come into your life. But you have to believe that stuff. It's it's a way of thinking. You have to kind of switch how you think about yourself and just start taking note. And there, I mean, there are ways I, I show people how to how to really find their passions just by writing stuff down that you're good at. Just write it down, even if it's good for like one time. Write that down because there's someone on the on the planet that likes how you do that, and they're going to want to talk to you about it, and you can make money doing it. What is power the power of five? of five? As Jim Rohn says, you are the sum average of the five people you spend time with. It was recoined by Darren Hardy as you are a product of the five people you spend time with. Everyone, every speaker on the planet, Darren Hardy, Tony Robbins, everyone is, has coined that term five. So when you think about the law of averages, you are the average of five people you hang around with the most. And that takes into account your family, the business, your, your, your network, could be your neighbors, could be people in your community, in your church, could be anywhere. So if you think about the five people you spend time with, here's an example. So if you're not a drinker and the four of the, of the five people you hang out with are drinkers, eventually it's going to nudge you to try drinking. Okay. If you like, if you hate fast foods and your five friends are fast food eaters, you're going to eventually find yourself eating some wings and grabbing on the you know, the, the, the tacos and, and so on and so forth. So you have to, it, it's sort of, and here's the example that I'll give you. And it, it kind of sums it up. Just imagine that you are in a boat, you're, you're in a raft and you're about 50 yards from the beach and you just figure you want to lay down and just kind of take a nap. And then you're, you're laying down an hour later, you wake up instead of being 25 yards from shore, you're 500 yards from shore. The gentle movement of the waves pushes you away without you even knowing it. It's the same thing with the power of five, the five people you hang out with, they're going to gently nudge you in that direction. Eventually, subconsciously, you're going to allow that into your life. Here's one more example. If you're, if you like cookies, if you decide to have two cookies a day, where you never had cookies before, if you continue to have two cookies every single day, eventually in a year, two years, three years, you're putting on 30, 35 pounds because of the two cookies you had three years ago, because of those little changes. It's that, it's that compounding effect. It's all wrapped in, you know, in Darren Hardy's book, the compound effect. So be careful the five people you spend time with. Always want to spend time with people that are, I use the term above you, but people you aspire to become, people to aspire to be like, people that are better than you. You know, Grant Cardone uses the term reach up. You want to reach up to people. Tony Robbins says, hug your five. You know, Napoleon Hill talks about the invisible council of advisors where he imagines 12 people at a, at, a, at a conference table. One of them, he thinks of Abraham Lincoln and he starts to name all these people. And you imagine those people and you think about what they would offer you in life. So that's the power of five. Always be mindful of wow. who you're hanging out with. I like that. Bree says spending all your time with negative people, regardless how, of how happy you are, will eventually yeah. bring you to the dark side. And Mitch says, maybe we should all ask ourselves who are the five live streamers <laughs> we most often hang out with. <laughs> 
Hey, let me let me ask you this. How much time um, because you, you've put a lot of thought into this stuff. How much time do you spend each day on kind of personal development, self-development? I mean, we're all so much more, I think, swamped yeah. than we ever have been. Right. In terms of we have our work, we have our time that we spend on social media. We're live streaming We're you know, we're, we're answering emails at yeah. all times of the night. How do you make sure that you find a certain amount of time. How do you set it out? How yeah. much time do you set out? Like, what do you recommend? And what I, do you kind of do me, for yourself? Um, in the beginning, it became this runaway train. You know, it, it was like uh, uh, Brian Fanzel uses the term FOMO, right? So you get that FOMO. Oh, I got to get, I got to mm-hmm. post something on, 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 on Instagram or something on Snapchat. And, uh, but for me, I've, I've kind of, come to this happy place where I want to post when I'm inspired to do something. So let me talk about posting and, and time. So for me, I try to post at least three, four times a day, either a thought or a quote. I started using buffer to, to, to repurpose some of my videos, but you know, in, inspirational stuff, like think about like, what am I thinking of today? What's something that's moving me that I think could move somebody else. So it's usually between, you know, four and five times a day. I'll post it on Snapchat. I've been posting also on Instagram, not as good as, as I, not as uh, diligently as I should. Uh, and I'll post it on Facebook. So I'll tend to post between three and five times a day, you know, motivational thoughts, things I'm thinking about. Um, spending time on personal development. I am, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sort of a, motiv- I'm like a motivational personal development crack addict. You know, it's something I really enjoy doing because it, it's, a, it's sort of a, a, a continuation of my own journey in life. Like, how can I be better? You know, I was, I got divorced six and a half years ago, which is completely life-changing for me. I, I, I lost everything. I lost my house. Um, my, my kids didn't want to see me. Uh, it was, it was a very, very ugly divorce. Um, and I went into a very deep depression and I, I got into the, you know, the poor me, pity me stuff. And then for two years straight, I lost weight. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I woke up and I said, I got to put my big boy pants on and I have to just start really moving my life forward. So I started getting back into my personal development. I started reading books. I started listening to audio tapes. I started listening to audio tapes in my sleep where I actually put the phone down. I put it in airplane mode and I put the audio book on times two, very low, because I believe that it impregnates into your subconscious. And I see it now. It comes out, the five or six books that I have. So I will tend to listen to a video in the morning. I'll spend 30 minutes reading. I'm, out, I'm right now reading a book on NLP. Uh, that's, that's the book I'm reading. I just got finished reading The Compound Effect. Um, I just read another book uh, called Fierce Conversations, which is another book about asking questions. They say the answer to questions, the, 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 answer, the answers to questions are questions. So I've been reading up a lot about right. that. Uh, so I'll, I'll tend to do that 30 minutes in the morning. I'll journal. Um, I'll do live streaming around lunchtime and at nighttime I, I like to do interviews like this and also do also participate in you know live stream events. So I, I do it three times a day. I would tell for the viewers that are married, who have kids, don't let this live streaming business take over your life. <laughs> Make sure you schedule it. <laughs> you know, when you're at the dinner table, turn the phone down or turn the phone off, turn the turn the uh, you know all the stuff off like I'm like all oh, my stuff happening right here I'm keeping my phone down so I'll I'll spend probably right. between one and three hours a day on personal development all right so I I don't want to beat a dead horse over blab we all know what happened and everything um I was a little shocked though by the way they just sh- yeah. I mean I really shouldn't have been right because everything they had done leading up to this was kind of unprofessional but the fact that they just shut down they didn't even give you 5 minutes to like yeah. you know 
take a look at what you got up there, maybe see if there's a contact you want to hang on sure. to, whatever. And then um, putting out, and you know this is somebody who does business, who does sales, who you know understands what the value of a customer is over the long haul, to put out an announcement in which the number one thing at the top of the page is most live streams suck. Right. Um, I thought that was beside the point, right? Because if they could have monetized it and, and made, you know, made a good, good amount of money off of it, I don't think they would have cared what we were talking about. And I also don't see how if, all, if most live streams suck, that means all of a sudden it's going to be awesome on whatever next app right. they're coming right. up with. Um, so that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Um, and also just, you know, the people who are with Blab now may not be with Blab forever. And they had a big community that really cared about the product and liked them because of their association with it. So I kind of was like, why go out that way? You know, because you you might want to do business with people again. So let me me give you my perspective on Blab. It's probably not fair to me to, to, to personally judge people's decisions, but being, you know, being part of that broadcasting community, yeah, there's only really there's only two ways of looking at it, and I'm, I'm kind of echoing what, what Joel Comet said uh, in one of his uh, one of his broadcasts is that uh, the powers that be I won't name names the powers that be that were running Blab are either they either didn't care, right, or they were mm-hmm. just uh, they were ignorant. You know, it's it's sort of like they, they they just don't know any better. You know, you have to get I give people the benefit of the doubt. I I I genuinely believe that people are good at heart, but when it comes to business, you're either immature. And you don't make right decisions or you make decisions you just don't care. So, But the one underlying fact here that sticks in my mind when I think of money, when I think of finances, is somebody didn't have a big enough vested interest to try to save the platform and monetize it. So it could have been some venture capitalist, a sandbox to say, hey, let me throw some money at this thing, keep it going. And it's like, okay, well, I'm done. Right. I, can, I, can, I can take the loss. So if, if people were, I can tell you that what, what, what would have saved Blab would have been a subscription service where people would have to pay for it, or if there were sponsors that were keeping the platform alive. So, I in, in, again, when I when I step back from it, listen, whether he did it through a a medium post or cut it off one day, it's you know you could sit here and, and cut that apple fifty different ways. But the facts are is that Blab was a platform that continued to be beta. You know, we were ignorant for a long time. We didn't think about the beta. We thought it was going to go somewhere, but then. When he cut it off, listen, either he was ignorant, right? Or he didn't care, <laughs> one of the two. But suffice it to say, Blab did it. Blab really helped launch one thing and one thing only. And that's created an amazing community of people that still exist today uh, in different forms and, and fashions. So I, I salute Blab for the time that it was here. You know, it's, it's sort of like a bad, it's like a bad marriage. You know, you, there's one way to say goodbye to someone. You don't just walk out with your bags. You have to explain why you're leaving. But Suffice to say, it's done. So we're here on uh, on Fire Talk talking to you, Ross. Yeah, and it, I mean the great community. Um, we we obviously give some credit to Blab for for putting together a platform that really, I mean, they really cracked. I, I don't know, they cracked the code yeah. on community. I mean, that's what's amazing is they didn't understand right. it themselves, but whatever they had done with integrating the chat and integrating social and discoverability. Right. And um, making the ease of use, everything they did really put amazing community together that, you know, if they wanted to, they they may have been able to solve the tech issues, as you say, by a subscription, limiting the number of people on blabs, different things that they right. could have done. 
to keep out the trolls and to, you know, to handle some of the things that were probably solvable because really they, they killed it yeah. on community and the community is going to live on, on, on all these other platforms are going to benefit from it because more people are going to come to fire talk. We're going to be able to discover sure. each other's shows we're now i'm now following people on crowdcast and huzzah and i get notifications whenever they go live and whenever they schedule shows so you know they they did something right whether they understood it or not and it's gonna live on and i it is what it is what but uh, yeah. i'm glad everybody's um, i'm glad you know how many people we stay together to and through facebook yeah. groups through so many other other forums um I think Blab, if they had made some different decisions, might have been able to stick around and, and reap the rewards of that. Um, but video's complicated yep. too. It's expensive. It requires sure. a lot of bandwidth. I I don't I don't begrudge anybody for making a decision that they think is better for their business. They they have a right to do that, and in fact, they have a responsibility yep. to their investors sure. and to their employees to make the decision that they think is in the best long term you know, interest. Think, I, I, yeah. Maybe. I look at it no. this way, Ross, just to kind of add a little color to that, is that um, I don't know if any of the, uh, the viewers had watched the uh, Tony Robbins documentary on Netflix, I Am Not Your Guru. There was a, there's an interesting uh, portion of the film that talks about blame, right? There was uh, So, so the, I won't tell you the story, but I'll, I'll give you a sort of a snippet. There's a girl who blames her father for all these bad things that are happening in her life, but Tony was saying, listen, you can blame somebody for all the bad stuff, but blame them for the good stuff, right? Let's blame, let's start blaming Blab for the good that they did. They gave us a platform to create a, a community that they were the first ones to do it. You know, I would never have met people like yourself and some of the other amazing influencers if it weren't for Blab. It wasn't happening on Meerkat and right. it wasn't happening on Periscope, right? And it wasn't happening on Google Hangouts. Right. It happened on Blab. So let's give Blab the credit that it deserves. It did a fantastic job. When everybody else went to one to many and hold up your cell phone and yeah. talk to yourself, Lab said, let's put two to four people on camera at one time and get them talking yeah. to each other. And in the beginning, they definitely went hard after podcasters and, and talk shows and stuff like that. At towards the end, they pretended that that never happened uh, and that those shows sucked. But that was who they were going after in the beginning. And you know, it worked. Um, we all know each other true. because of Blab. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So let's blame them for right. what they did well. And they, they really did mm -hmm. community well. Again, I don't know whether they understood it or not. <laughs> but, hey, you know, we don't all, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the, you know, I'm sure people who make, uh, you know, great inventions don't always true. know where they're going or discover you know, discover great pharmaceuticals that save lives and stuff. We're, we're working on something else and <laughs> we, they we, struck we, we gold created with it, right? So. Lifelong relationships. I'm glad. That's what I, that's what right, I got. Right, right. What's next for you in terms of so live stream? Right now, I am uh, really focusing on, my, on me. Uh, I'm working with my coach. I'm actually taking a class, um, a course. I'm taking a course right now. Um, that is really focused on structure. One thing I, I struggle with is structure. I mean, I'm such a, I'm, I'm such an ADD major kind of person and it's just, it's, it's how I'm wired, but I know I can change my own wiring. So I'm reading a book on NLP right now. I'm really focusing on um, structuring my content in a way where I can deploy it 
across any industry and any platform. So I'm speaking at the Solar and, and Investment Conference uh, this October in Manhattan. I'm speaking at the Infocast uh, Southeast Conference in Atlanta coming up in November. And I'm speaking at the Mobile Beat uh, 2017 Conference in Las Vegas next March. So I'm speaking in the solar and finance space. And I'm also speaking wow. in the industry that kind of got me here, which was the, the DJ business. Now my goal is to take right. the best of those and find what what topic goes across all industries and um, all communities. And one of them is really discovering your passion and finding your purpose. And I've been really focusing on specifically about you know, connecting your why by building your, finding your passion and purpose and really speaking to entrepreneurs who've lost that. Who've lost their, you know, who need that energy, that that kind of rediscovery of who they are. I'm I'm sort of the the fire that relights their life. Like I'm not I'm not here to to give you structure. I'm here to give you thoughts and ideas that you have already thought of. I'm your mirror. I'm showing you the mirror of why you got into your business. I'm just showing you it's still here. There might be some gray hairs, there might be some wrinkles, but it's still in there, and the fire is still alive. And that's my that's really what my mission is to do that. So I've been working on that, taking a couple of classes. Uh, I've been focusing really just on doing live streams every day. I do a, a Facebook Live uh, every day between the hours of uh, 12 and 2. Uh, I do a lot, of, a lot of snippets on Snapchat, which really help me more of a practice. Uh, and I'll do Periscopes mm -hmm. as well. I'm not really focusing a lot on that. And I am looking at Crowdcast as well. So uh, I'm really trying to keep my feet into the live streaming business, but I really want to focus on my on my speaking career. That's really where I want to be. I want to be on stage with a microphone. And I say this every time I do an interview and every time I stand up at a mic, I say, listen, if I, if I can have a microphone in a stage of people, I would do it for free, but I got to make money. Right. <laughs> I got to make money. <laughs> so... Um, what do you enjoy? What kind of interviews, um, do you enjoy doing when you do talk shows and, and just in general, what kind of content would you like to see more of on these type of platforms? Not, not so much the yeah. Facebook live and Periscope, on but on these talk show interview platforms. Um, I, Mitch, who was here earlier, I don't know if he's still in the chat has really been kind of diversifying what he's, what he talks about on his show. And I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing people breaking out of just talking about social right. media marketing and, and live video. Uh, hey, Mitch is still here. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm just curious um, from you, you come from a, a different perspective yeah. as well, personal yeah. development, business and all that. What do you, what would you like to hear more shows about or what topics do you think would, would start to energize live streaming talk shows, uh, you know, going forward now that, people are going to be moving to new platforms and, and new shows and things I like that. I want to speak that. to the average Joe. I want to talk to the person who came from nothing and where they are today. I want to hear about their journey. I want to hear about their struggles, you know, and I, again, I, I've, I've, uh, welcomed, I, I've been welcomed into the social media community and I love you guys. Thank you. But I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about 50 ways to use Snapchat anymore. <laughs> I don't want to talk about 25 <laughs> ways Facebook live does this. I don't want to talk about all the new buzz tools and, and things because I'm not the best person to talk to about that. There are people out there who do it really well. There are people who do it nauseatingly well, right? And there are people who don't do it so well. So I, I want to be the person to talk to, hey, so how did you, how, why did you become a professional baseball player? I'd love to, I'd love to interview Joe Girardi, the manager of the Yankees, who I'm working on right now. You know, and I, I'd love to, to, to get, you know, Alexander Rodriguez on a platform and not because he's a famous baseball player, but like, tell me about your journey. 
you know, I want to interview the guy who was homeless that became a superstar. I want to interview a Chris, uh, Chris Gardner. You know, Chris, tell me why it was so bad and how you made the, how, how, do, how you crossed over. I want to hear about true underdog stories. I, mean, I guess maybe because I come from an underdog world. You know, I'm an underdog guy. I, I mean, I was, when I was five years old, I got pushed in the pool by some little girl who told me my glasses were too thick and I was too fat. I couldn't run. I was wheezing and coughing. So I never thought I was good enough. So I want to go find people who thought they weren't good enough that became something today. I want to hear about their story. I want to hear about their struggles because those, that's pure value that you can pass on to other people. You know, a lot of people get on live streaming and all they really do is they spew about how much of an influencer they are, how great they are, the greatest, you know, I got 50,000 followers. Who gives a rip? Tell me about how you fed your family when you're out of work for six months. Tell me how you were able to get that interview, to get that job. Tell me how you went back and you asked a third time and you got the deal closed. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the underdog story. So my focus is on, the average Joe, uh, Keenan, who wrote the book, uh, Not Taught, wonderful guy, comes from a very interesting dynamic background. Anthony Inarino, amazing guy in sales, cancer survivor, love talking to people like him. You know, I want to talk to those type of people. So you don't want to talk to Alex Rodriguez uh, about his struggles in a year out of baseball after making $25 million a year. For a <laughs> I say, uh, say I, I know a good financial advisor if you want to talk to one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that, that, that's my focus. I mean, yeah, I, listen, I tried to go after the Gary V's. I let guys like Mitch Jackson do that. Mitch is much better at me than doing that. You know, the Gary V's and all these super influencers. I, I, I think my time is better spent on really kind of working. Uh, I hate to use the word tribe, but my tribe and my group is really people who have come from, you know, challenges and, and struggles in their life. And they've, and they've worked through their challenges to become who they are today. Cause that resonates with my personal story. Yeah. It fits with yeah. what you're doing, too. I mean, it fits with the kind of motivational right. speaking that you do. And talk a little bit about real quick. Uh, you, you touched upon it. You do yeah. emceeing. And, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a man of uh, renaissance, <laughs> man. Here. You're out there like on one, one hand, I'm, I'm seeing you on Bloomberg TV <laughs> in the suit and the tie. And you're, you're talking about renewable energy and, and mergers and yeah. acquisitions. And the next day you're at a wedding or a bar mitzvah. <laughs> like, hey, everybody come. Hey, if I can do it at a wedding, I do it at a, if I can do it at a funeral, I do it at a funeral. So it's, I, I, uh, I, I had this, you know, I had this itch to really speak to people because again, I guess it's the Tony Robbins impregnating himself in my head. And I just, I, I wanted to tell people stories and I started to tell everyone else's story. Then I started to tell my own story. And the way to do that in the entertainment space was to do bar mitzvahs and weddings. And I've, you know, I, I kind of went down that road for, you know, I guess I'm going on 27 years and I've crossed, I, I, I crossed over and I wanted to be more of the, the, uh, the MC for the fundraisers or the MC for the high end bar mitzvahs. So I enjoy doing that. It's, it's something I, I, I just did a, a periscope about it. You know, imagine doing what you love to do and getting paid for it. Right. I get paid to have fun on the microphone and it's good. Why not? Right. I get paid to do that. So, it, and that's part of my passion. My passion is to help change one life for the rest of my life. If I can change one life and have them change the lives of others in their space, I've been successful. And I do that through MCing. I just did a bar mitzvah this weekend. And it was so much fun. I mean, because the, the kids are really very exciting and they're just... 
they're young and they want to learn and they like the energy and I like giving the energy and it's, it, it, it works. And same thing when I do sales, when I do sales kickoff events, I, I did one for British Telecom uh, in London about 10 years ago. And, you know, it was like 4,000 people and I got to be up on stage for a couple of minutes and I got them juiced. I felt like I was a rock star. It was amazing. So wow. it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Wow. And Nick Rishwain says, and it looks like you're having yeah. a great time <laughs> doing it. Um, Hey, you know what? The skill set's transferable, yeah. right? Like you're always working on that skill set. What, no matter what kind of events or show you're doing or whatever, um, it's all about communicating and, and reaching people. So, what might seem more mundane is actually probably bringing out more skill sure. out of you, right? Because you have to work harder to make another wedding maybe seem right. interesting in a way compared to going on Bloomberg TV one time uh, every sure. so often, or, you know, speaking to that big corporation or whatever, where you're all juiced up and you've got your best yeah. stuff ready to go. All right. It's a big I difference. Mean, it's, it's a big it's difference. Cause when you, when you do an interview on Bloomberg, you know, you're sitting there and you got, you got mayor Bloomberg in the corner and you got, you know, um, uh, Joe Biden in the corner. So I'm sitting there. You can tell I'm a little nervous and I, I do one of those. And, you know, you have to, you have to be able to say the right thing. It's, it's more, it's more like a PC discussion, right? Politically correct discussion. Whereas right. where, when I'm on the stage, when I'm speaking or when I'm motivating it as, as an MC, I'm really talking from the heart. Now let, let's, let's be serious guys. Let's, let's, let's put it this in, in context. You're always selling. You're always, whether you're selling on Bloomberg or you're selling at a wedding or bar mitzvah, or you're selling on stage as a speaker. You're always selling. What you're doing is you're selling your ideas and thoughts to people who are open to receiving it. That's really what it is. So I'm my 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 DNA is in sales. That's sort of like the core of me. And I've grown into this, I feel like I've grown into this speaker, MC, motivation, fundraising. You know, I, I'm like a tree with many, many branches, you know, but it's all, all the branches have little mini microphones, little lavaliers on them. So that's really what it is. It's the best way to describe it. Thanks. Really cool. It's a Thanks. great way to put it. So um, just tell everybody where they can find you and, you know, what, what you've got Good, coming great. up. Um, you can find me everywhere. I'm at Anthony J. Conklin on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com forward slash uh, Anthony Ace Conklin or Anthony.ace. I have two pages. I do a live stream every day, uh, usually a personal development. I, I do have a sales uh, spin to it. So it's sales, personal development. I like to add some social media marketing to it. But the core is really about making you the better person, finding your passion and purpose and, and, and really living in your why. Uh, I'm Again, I'm speaking at Mobile Beat Magazine's uh, 2017 conference in Las Vegas next March. I think it's going to be on the 17th. Uh, this October, I'll be in Manhattan at the Roosevelt Hotel on the October 25th and 26th. I'll be speaking at the Solar Finance Conference, and I will be at the InfoCast Southeast Conference in Atlanta, November 2nd through the 4th. I'll be speaking, uh, and I'll be on a panel talking about renewable energy investments and mergers and acquisitions. Wow. Awesome. That's great stuff. Thank you so much, Anthony. I mean, you can see his energy. You can see... Uh, how really is, um, how open he is to talking about himself and his challenges and uh, inspiring people. I would definitely go see one of your talks. Um, you, you, you do a terrific job, and I'm, I'm so glad uh, to have you on the show and, and to talk with you. Thank, Thank you, so, you much, so much. Thank you so much, Russell. Thank you to the watchers and the, the viewers and listeners. Thank you so much, guys. 
Thanks. We'll be back with Livestream Stars September 12th. Until then, uh, Livestream Universe will be taking kind of a break. We won't be doing updates during that time, but we will have some uh, produced content. And tomorrow, take a look on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Livestream Universe. We're going to break down uh, three platforms, Crowdcast, Firetalk, and Huzzah, and, and hear from some of the people using those platforms and help you hopefully if you're looking for a different platform or you don't have a platform right now um hopefully this will be helpful It'll be about 12 13 minutes long so take a look for that